Hey guys, Texas Slim here. And here we are. I am in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And uh, it's a fascinating country, Thailand is. I don't even know what today's date is. I think it's around the 9th, maybe. Yes. I believe we left, I think, to LA February 3rd. So I've been in Australia. Flew into Bangkok uh, a couple of days ago on Monday. Um, stayed at a place that was kind of happenstance, but uh, it was uh, fascinating. It was on top of uh, on top of Asia. It was on top of ba uh, Bangkok, on top of Thailand. It's a very tall condo that we got to stay in through an Airbnb. It was just a last minute thing that was one of those deals you find. Anyways, it's been a fascinating journey. Uh, Australia was amazing. It was a grind and it was a grind and it was a grind. Uh, there'll be uh, intermittent content that comes out about Australia because they have an Australia beef initiative there. And there's a core group of guys right now that are building it out. They've got founders. They've got their own type of way of operating in Australia. And they're making sure that they're just not trying to copy and paste what we've done in the United States. But they're really truly and they're not trying to reinvent the wheel either. That's the collaboration. And so uh, Izzy and Liz and I traveled up and down the coast, the eastern coast of Australia. We went all the way up to Brisbane together. Uh, I definitely did planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> the whole time I was uh, in Australia. We did, I think, 10 or maybe 11 events total. Uh, we did multiple, multiple farm tours and micro summits and get-togethers and we had I don't know six seven six meetups Bitcoin meetups and so it was just non-stop and I told Liz and Izzy I said y'all get ready this is gonna be like a rock and roll tour without the fucking drugs and alcohol uh, there was a there was a little bit of alcohol but nobody uh, overwhelmed themselves with that type of uh, fiat alcohol behavior if y'all still out there doing that shit man uh, it's a uh, it's part of your consumption model that's holding you back man you don't have to have that stuff i know i used to be a professional <laughs> anyways more on that at another time but australia was really a grind and it, there was so much education there's so much innovation going on i found out so much about australia the good the bad and the ugly and uh, i have a lot that i can compare and contrast with i always say hey don't compare shit it's the thief of uh personal joy and of uh, happiness whenever you compare but sometimes you have to contrast maybe I don't know you have to bounce stuff off walls and say okay well this is a wall United States uh, this is a wall Australia let's let's bounce stuff off the walls and see how we can compare and contrast that's a phrase that a lot of people should understand more about because that's what we're doing with the beef initiatives with our governments uh with the type of uh bottlenecks there are within processing centers they call them abattoirs in australia uh you know their lack of market access as far as uh, the consumers are out there and how they're basically creating some new market access to consumers but that only happens whenever the consumer demand changes folks you know, especially whenever you're talking about independent farmers and producers, they don't have media companies, folks. 
And what they don't need is they don't need media folks coming after them saying, hey, we can build you a website and we can uh, do your digital marketing for you. And they start pitching all these bullshit ideas. It's just basically digging more debt for those damn ranchers and producers. This is a decentralized movement that's based on sound communications. That means it's decentralized. That means it's word of mouth, folks. And so if your consumption model is still pointing at people that are basically in the centralized communication structure where you're eating the wrong food and basically you're paying attention to the wrong content, content of audio and video, that is part of your consumption model. Anyways, in Australia, we, say, we see there's a way to basically innovate during these times of prohibition against meat and against prohibition against market access, folks. Market access is basically what is going on in so many aspects of the what I call the global industrial food shift. The lack of market access through abattoirs and processing centers in the United States and Australia is exactly the same thing. And who controls the market access to basically um, the producers and the consumers? Who controls that market access and distribution and processing? All of the above, well, it's the multinational corporations that got us here with our ill health and how we were told we were going to go feed the world when we monocroc, when we introduced thousands upon ten thousands upon ten thousands of chemicals into our agricultural space. That means it got down into your gut biome. So, anyways, there's a way to do things moving forward and there's not. And if your consumption model is based on centralized audio, video, or people that are nefarious in basically the social media aspects and just being influencers but not producers of proof of work, then you're paying attention to the wrong people. There's people out there in Australia and the United States that want to feed you and they don't have a way to reach you without having to go into debt with all these bullshit technology companies that basically promise everything in the world and they don't deliver because they don't. And what the rancher needs is they need you to go shake their damn hands. They need you to go up there and say, would you educate me, please? I want to know why you do what you do. Well, guess what? We did that last year in the United States and we did it many, many places, many, many events, many, many handshakes, many, many producers in the beef initiative. Well, in Australia, there was a lot of people that showed up to these little events, and they went out there and they shook hands with people like Jacob Wolke, Dominic of basically Ethical Farms, Dan Kelton, um, uh, Udi of Otway out of Lorne, Australia. It just kept on happening and happening, and these new communities are starting to take shape, folks. I mean, people in Australia hear me on basically a podcast and it's coming over to Australia and you guys are going to start listening to people in Australia's podcast. That's decentralized communications. It's called sound communications. So there's so many aspects of basically Australia, Thailand. We're going to do a pretty good series. Uh, I'm going to let you know who I basically was introduced to in Australia. We're going to let some time happen. And I can say, hey, this is where we started and this is where we are now. So it'll be kind of a two-part series, production series of Australia, because it helps me to ferment on it for a while and get the narrative down to where I can really compare and contrast 
the, the goods and the bads and the uglies. So it's not instant gratification. There is time that is put, my mental and emotional time put into this, the relationship building that I have to make. And I'm building a lot of relationships. And some of them are friction. Some of them are non-friction. And some of them come and go. So, uh, you know, a lot of people wonder, what, what, what are you doing over there? Why are you in Asia now? What, what is up with Asia? Asia don't eat cows. Do you think they might not have enough market access to cows? Why can they not? Why are they not able to eat cows the way that you eat cows? Well, hmm. Well, because their market access is not allowing it. And yes, the culture is basically pork and poultry. But I guarantee you there's a lot of people in freaking Thailand that want to eat beef. And it would be leveraged because guess what? You know what Thailand is? Siam? Y'all ever heard of that? It's an ancient city. It's an ancient civilization that has had basically a fascinating history from, you know, the adoption of Buddha, which is not a religion. It's a philosophy um, to basically how it's a mountainous region to the north. Where it's always held off the invaders. Well, guess what's north of uh, Thailand? Well, that would be China. Well, do you think China maybe... I don't know, man. They control market access. They control market access to your beef, and you're not paying attention. And so guess what? So Thailand basically doesn't have market access to all the beef that you have market access and China has market access to because China buys most of the beef moving forward these days. And this is the global industrial food shift. They're not going to get rid of cows, folks. They're going to produce more and more cattle across this world. What they're going to do is they're going to eliminate your market access to that beef and they're going to eliminate basically any information about what they're doing because they control your consumption model when it comes to food audio and video so that's why people don't know what's going on within the basically the macro global beef industry it's a fascinating journey i'll tell you that much but um you know by basically turning beef into caviar in the United States or basically shipping beef into the United States that's not even from the United States, it's subpar, extreme subpar in the labeling laws of the United States of America, the USDA and the FDA and all those little hoodlums, what they do in there sometimes. Well, you know, they control basically your perception of what a label is and what it should be, what it used to be, why we don't even really need them because we used to not have labels because we, we knew who produced our food. So simple, it's complicated, folks. Well, here on the streets of Thailand, they eat pork, they eat duck, they eat chicken, they eat beef, they eat a lot of damn fish, you know. And one thing they don't worry about is labeling laws. They don't know what organic means. They don't know what grass-fed means. They they just a farmer is a dude that's, you know, that produces your food. That's it. Where, where do you do where do you sell that food? Well, I'll sell it to the people that come and buy them. Who are those people? Oh, those are the ones that actually produce retail. There's a, that's it. That's all the middleman. That's all that exists. That happens a lot in Thailand. Every damn restaurant here, man, they get their food from the people that they know. And it's a fascinating culture of food intelligence. Uh, I know somebody that did something called Third World Gourmet about 10 years ago. Way before his time, I'll tell you that much, because all this stuff is going to start playing out. But anyways, you know, they just legalized 
and this is going to ramble a little bit because I'm putting it all together, but this is, this is up-to-date news here. We got here last night in Chiang Mai. But as was said in Bangkok, we went to a Bitcoin meetup there, and that's I'll tell you more about that later. But uh, it's called Build on Bitcoin. Imagine that, Build on Bitcoin. Hmm. Build on Bitcoin and beef. Yep, that's exactly right. Anyway, Sid and I, uh, he said, hey, man, <laughs> he goes, I said, what do they do about weed here? Because you've seen all the damn movies, right? Uh, as far as, you know, get busted for drugs in Thailand, shit, you're going to prison for the rest of your damn life. And you're going to say, you know, you're going to have to uh, make some friends, basically. Uh, Midnight Express in Turkey. Did y'all see that one? Yeah. Anyways. Well, I said, hey, what are they doing with weed here in Thailand? He said, man, it's legal. It just happened overnight. Nobody really talked about it. But all of a sudden, you had all these places selling weed on the street, just like the street vendors of selling food. Anyways, so weed is legal here. And I'll tell you what, you don't have a bunch of people that are just all fucked up on drugs or nothing like that. They respect each other because they have a philosophy here. Live and let live and kind of be as truthful as you can in food. And basically, well, you know, where does the where where does the food come from entirely? It comes from the ground, from the soil. Does it come from a bunch of chemicals? Well, the same with their weed. They know how to grow weed, and a lot of people don't even know how to sell it yet. It's like 200, 400, 600 bots. They don't know, but it's playing out. But the point is, is it's very nothing's changed. It's legal. Nobody, you know, they're not bull rushing the pot venues. And it is, it is, so I stopped and I talked to this one uh, couple and they were there and it's like, wow, this is fascinating looking and smelling weed because you can just tell it comes from the soil, folks. It comes from the soil. So the, the you know, there's no addiction of weed here, you know, just like all that. There's no ill health. And it's hilarious. I was thinking, I said, well, okay, I gotta say this in a certain way that people understand. You know where people are, bull rushing you know where the drug addiction is in thailand it's the multinational fucking fast food joints and convenience stores hmm people are just going in and out of those things just like in the united states because convenience stores turned into the new supermarket and the old supermarket well you know so convenience store but anyways here in thailand the only thing that you see that, that is a different behavior is based on multinational food corporations. And so the drug addiction that we are spreading through the centralized apparatus that we call the food industry, the, the industrial food complex, everywhere it goes, it causes ill health and weird behavior. You know, you can legalize weed in a country, nothing really happens, but you keep on putting more and more of these multinational food corporations from McDonald's to Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> to Pizza Hut. You know, who, who owns all this shit? You know, did you know that McDonald's is not even a food company? They're a real estate company, folks. Multinational real estate company. Hmm, ain't that something? Where do those profits go to? Where are the incentives? Uh, who has subsidized McDonald's? McDonald's used to fry their fries in tallow. Now they don't. Yep. I don't know. They're always making change. Is it still in that rapeseed stuff that the FDA outlawed in 1956 called canola? Something like that. But the behavior here is, is something that 
is gone on a long time as far as being driven by food intelligence. You still see it on the streets. I've been eating street food here every day that I've been here in Thailand. Uh, Chiang Mai, I like a little bit more. It's not as crowded. Uh, it's a little bit more like hometown, Texas. Uh, Chiang Mai's got probably a million proper, but it's, it's a different place. It reminds me of small town Texas with a little bit of hustle and bustle and a lot of motorcycles and some tuk-tuks and stuff like that. But you can find food anywhere. And some of this food here is Michelin grade. If you don't know what Michelin grade is, look it up with food. But they are that good because it's clean food, folks. There is no sanitation problems. You can, you can get fruit from off the damn truck and take a bite into it. And there's nothing wrong with it because they ain't got no chemicals. They ain't washing it. The water is natural, coming from clean soil. Um, that has all changed in my lifetime. The, the Basically, the chemical warfare that has been performed across the world, well, that's what's about to take place again in a different way that people don't understand. That's part of the global industrial food shift. So, you know, they're going to try to digitize food in certain ways, and they're going to basically use all kinds of multinational marketing tricks to say that, hey, there's something called climate change in a cow. <laughs> a cow is a carbon hazard. And if you have seen the world as I've seen the world, and you know how I was raised and how I am, I am Texas Slim and coming from cattle country <laughs> and how ludicrous that is. What they do is they'll take uh, satellite shots from feed yards that do put off a lot of damn methane. There's a lot of damn cattle. But guess what? That's multinational beef being sold across to where? China. Oh, okay. Go down that rabbit hole, folks. Anyways, they use nefarious means of marketing and information warfare, basically about hazardous methane, because look at the heat it puts out. Well, those are a lot of damn cattle, uh, half a million in a, in a small area. But once again, that is multinational controlled beef industry. You know what us boys in Texas are eating? It ain't, it ain't our own beef. They make sure of that. They're selling our beef to the highest bidders, and that's part of the global industrial food show. How many people is north of Thailand? You got a billion and a half. Well, guess what? India, well, how many people do they have? Well, there's three. How many people does Indonesia have? Well, that's billions upon billions upon billions of people that want to basically eat beef, or they want to open up the cattle industry in which they have access to all of those byproducts that's in that beef from the hides to the, I don't know to the tallows <laughs> all those byproducts that you don't know nothing about because it's controlled by the multinationalists well if you go shake your rancher's hands you'll find everything about that cow in Thailand I don't know how far long ago but they have worshipped the bull in certain ways and Buddhism here is a very fascinating philosophy that I've been looking at for decades the first time I was here and that was 20 years ago and I'm in the same town that I was 20 years ago and this is an ancient city Chiang Mai is a moat city and that was a moat city to protect back in the civilization of ancient times and back before even Buddha and all that kind of stuff, Buddha's about 2500, uh, basically, B.C. 
So he's way back there or something like that. It's 2,500 years ago. I forget. Anyways, he was just a man. He doesn't uh, propose to say he was a savior or anything like that. He just, he understood how to basically balance joy and suffering. And he understood how his body worked because he fasted. He deprived himself nutritional value. But he got to a place that was a balance. And what it was is always trying to get to nirvana. Well, there's a form of food intelligence that is in Buddhism in the philosophy itself. And if you would point your compass into this direction of your audio consumption model, and you would hear things like this, and more consumer demand coming into the beef initiative creates more conversations like this. And when you guys don't have to watch all the circle jerks about seed oil with all those influencers that haven't produced yet, but they keep on talking about seed oils. <laughs> Anyways, don't get me on a tangent because I'm going to get going this year in 2023 because it's time to ramp this up because we have some fascinating news about to unfold whenever I get back to the States. Have y'all ever heard of a thing called Shopify? I'm going to build a puzzle for you. How's that? One of Texas Slim's mysterious little, let's plant some seeds until we get to the source of the seed and what the hell he's talking about. Well, you think of Shopify, Okay. There you go. You think of Etsy. Okay, you think of Facebook Marketplace. Uh, do, you, do you remember me talking about all these multimedia digital marketing companies coming after all these producers because they basically think that they can make them money? <laughs> no, they're going to basically steal some cows from them is what they're going to do. It's called cattle rustling in the modern times. So stop that. Anyways, well, Etsy, Facebook, a Facebook marketplace, a lot of these uh, producers, farmers, ranchers, everybody, they have to sell their beef through Facebook. Facebook? <laughs> wow. Talk about controlling and censoring information. You know how hard it is to sell beef on Facebook? And they got something called a marketplace. Did I drop a seed there? A marketplace, I say Etsy, I say uh, Facebook. Did I say Shopify? Hmm, did I say digital marketing companies? Well, guess what? Beef Finishes Vothel is also a technology company. Well, I always have been. So, when I get back to the States, we're in beta test right now for something that's going to give, and I said it from the beginning, I said we're going to give the rancher producer a voice they've never had. Well, that's part of it. You're going to change your consumption model because we're going to basically give all of the producers and ranchers in the United States access to a new marketplace, a digital format, a digital basically store that basically they can use. And guess what? We're not going to charge you fifteen, dollars $25,000 to do this. We're going to take a small little cut to where you won't even know we're there. We're not going to dig into your margins and we're going to be there for you as a technology company. And it's been a long time coming. We've been working on it for about a year and a half. So we're going to offer it, and we're going to offer it, and then we're going to offer it. Then whenever we get done with the beef side of it, or we kind of worked out the kinks, because those damn animal producers, ranchers, well, they know how to iterate. And so we're going to iterate, and then guess what? We're going to open it up to everything. So everybody's going to have this new marketplace that they can now use to create peer-to-peer -peer relationships with a new customer that has come because that customer basically has given a new consumer demand to basically people that want to feed them. Hmm, 
a lot of people have had the opportunity to do that in the last couple of years, and they chose not to. That chose to use nefarious and deceptive marketing practices. Think that you were actually probably maybe close to somehow eating beef from somebody that was maybe sort of kind of possibly in the United States and could have been maybe in a certain region. But yeah, no, it's not. It was just another bullshit centralized marketing plan. How many times y'all do something like that? Y'all go do Google search and do something like uh, beef box and see what pops up. And then your algorithm, what kind of algorithm comes from that. Do some searches. See what type of marketing plan that is. Doesn't really tell you where the food comes from, does it? Honestly, they can tell you who the rancher is, where the rancher is, where it was processed. Oh, other places can't tell you where it's processed, can they? Well, whenever you come into the beef initiative, you're going to have an e-commerce marketplace. You're going to have access to processing centers that are up and running. And you're going to be able to create some new form of basically processing intelligence because you're going to be talking to those that have done the proof of work and are now running them successfully. And the only way that happens is not having stupid marketing plans that don't tell you the truth. Whenever I started the Beef Initiative, I knew that I had to be completely transparent with everybody that I speak with. And everything that I say is 100% true and factual. It's not a marketing plan, folks. The Beef Initiative is not a marketing plan. It's basically something that started with shaking a rancher's hand in the United States. Now I'm shaking hands with ranchers, farmers, producers across this world. There's something going on here. And by basically pioneering a new beef industry within the existing beef industry, the new global beef industry, which is a fascinating study that I'll be telling you guys about. Um, whenever you have big movements like this, in the United States, JBS and Walmart are having discussions because Walmart, I don't think, is going to have their beef processed through JBS. And so the layers and layers and layers of the multinational beef industry creates competition at the highest level. So now I think Walmart and the multinational corporations might be in a pissing match. Don't know yet. We're going to find out. But one thing's for sure. When that happens, I love it because they're fighting each other and they ain't paying attention to us people that are got boots on the ground, forming new relationships and truth in food. We're being transparent about it and honest. And what we're doing is we're saving children's lives. Hmm, how can you beat that? And how can you argue with that? Because we know the law sometimes better than the lawmakers know itself or even the law enforcers. And so we have to have patience. We have to take those arrows, one, two, three, four at a time. And that comes from some people even in the industry that I work with, a lot of people that I've come up with. So y'all remember, this is about truth and transparency. This is about giving the rancher a voice, not taking from that rancher. If you're not shaking that rancher's hand and saying, hey, would you teach me? How can I help you before I ask you for anything? Please, I am here to serve you. You know why? Because those ranchers, they are never going to ask you for anything. And that's that damn poverty mindset that me, several, most of the ranchers that I've known have and it's a poverty mindset that says bullshit you don't ask for a damn thing well at sometimes that becomes a hindrance and that becomes it's not noble anymore it's kind of bullshit and it's time to realize that in this day and time by saying that 
you serve the rancher. You know how to ask the right questions. You don't go there treating them like they're Amazon or butcher box. You treat them with respect because what they're doing is they're going to save the heritage and the legacy of your kids' nutritional health. I guarantee it. It is a guarantee if you do that. You cut out all the bullshit, all this certification, all this labeling deception. The whole harvest of deception disappears. And you start asking the right questions. You start becoming healthy. You change your life in a way that Carnival Cruises is not going to. I came here with a backpack, folks. Now I'm in my 50s. I don't need much. Do I look healthy? I don't know. I've been on the road. People say, well, I don't. I can't leave the city. Folks, you know what I just did? I was in Australia, and I was in the biggest cities. And guess what? I was in the countryside, too, and I didn't have no damn car. And guess what? I was eating beef from local ranchers. Well, how did I do that? Well, I built communication structure, and then I basically went and shook some hands, and then those people went and shook some hands, and then they started talking, and we started talking, and then we planned a trip. And then there was times that we were in a small town, and shit, man, you want to talk about planes, trains, and automobiles, and buses. Ha, I got you. That's the next movie. I did four of them. Anyways, I did all those apparatuses in the cities and in the country. And I always found beef because I said, well, I'm going to start with shaking rancher's hand. I did it my way. You can do it your way. I just say it can be done, and you can't rationalize and justify, well, I live in the city and I can't make this happen. We'll form some new relationships, folks. You're on the damn digital screen. Search out a town. Say, hey, man, who's in this town? Do your own research. Create a new digital handshake. Then make it into a physical handshake. Mm-hmm. How about you do that? First time I ever saw Cole Bolton, I looked at his website. Then I went and shook his damn hand. And the rest is history. He's got a processing center in Lillian, Texas. It is basically going to be ground zero of the beef initiative. It's going to basically distribute the amount of beef that we've been trying to get to this whole time. That's why I have not used any form of advertising or marketing. And sometimes I'm measured whenever I'm trying to sell beef because we have to control the demand and the volume. And we have a great baseline of customers that have come in that are basically changing their lives, folks. I get in the emails, man. You know how many emails I get from people saying, man, eating Cole's beef, eating Jason's beef, eating Justin's beef, eating Holy Cow's beef, eating White Oak Pasture's beef, eating beef, just, I don't know, somebody's beef, but it wasn't from the supermarket. That stuff is happening and this is going to become a global movement. And we're going to create these little headquarters all across the world of people that are intentional about building, building community and saving children's lives through the animal producers. That's it. It's as simple as that. In the beginning, I said that this is a, basically, this is a international lifestyle you just don't understand yet. But what I do is I study the multinational corporations and I see how they distribute their franchise models and how they basically put a prohibition against land in different ways like the Netherlands and the, 
the way they do it in the United States, the way they do it in Thailand. Well, who's behind the type of prohibition in each one of these countries? It's not the governments, folks, man. The governments are just the fucking gateway to basically things changing on the street, right? Because it's called law. But anyways, who has access to the, to the government? Do you think you have access to the government? Do you think these ranchers have access to the government? No. They get dictated to by the government. Well, who tells them to dictate to the rancher? Oh, would that be the multinational corporations that make billions and billions and billions off of subsidized and commoditized food? And they own anybody that uses them in their consumption model and their power behind the, the lobbyists and basically the labeling laws. Da, 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 da. Oh, it gets daunting, doesn't it? I said that before. Go shake a rancher's hand. Go shake a rancher's hand. Go shake a rancher's hand and serve that rancher. Once you do that, your life changes. I guarantee you, you take a different intentionality when it comes to food and when it comes to your child's laughter you know there's a mental illness across this world that's being basically it's the cause and effect of a consumption model that has been controlled by multinational corporations be it nefarious or be it not it doesn't matter that's so uh izzy's saying that he said during these bitcoin meetups and these summits doesn't matter if it's nefarious or if it is something that is just unfolded. What it means, it, it does exist and it is spreading across the world in a way that people don't understand because one, they don't have access to the audio and video and they don't have nutritional value because they don't know any ranchers and they put all their trusts and their compass focuses, their hunger pain focuses, their desires focus, their sense, <laughs> smells, everything is basically where? It's pointed at the multinational corporations that tell the governments what to put on labels. So if you go out there and you start understanding what is unfolding here, you're going to say, hey, man, this is cool. And I'm going to start letting everybody know back in the States when I get back to the States. Yellowstone's number one TV program in the, in the United States. Folks, we are the Yellowstone. The rancher is killed off in certain ways. That's TV, folks. What we're doing within the Beef Initiative, we're saving every damn American rancher producer that wants to be saved and who wants to have a consumer demand. That's the real story, folks. That's what you need to start paying attention to. And if you do that, you're going to make history because I guarantee you, no matter what comes up and what comes down with the Beef Initiative right now, you can't stop it because it's going to have a bullhead and it's going to be in every country across the world and everybody's going to build out locally and they're going to share globally of what they're doing that's called replication it's not scalability love you Joe Rogan it's not scalability it's replication replication replication
that's what they took away from us. That's what they took away from my grandfather, my grandfather's community. There's a lot of people who can't be truly honest about what has unfolded in the last 50 years. Because if it was nefarious, or if it was not nefarious, it's just something that played out, it really doesn't matter. Intentions are all usually good. They're very good people that have good intentions that work for the multinational food corporations. It's a, it's kind of a it's kind of a wave. It's a tidal wave that can't be slowed down now, and they'll go to any means because they've been able to commoditize and subsidize food in such a way that is so cheap, so cheap to make, and so highly highly profitable that they can waste and waste and waste, and they can waste away the land. They can waste away, but they know the gig is up. That's why you have this climate change bullshit. This moving across this planet and everybody's becoming very idealistic about their consumption model look oh i'm going to save the planet by by eating this dandelion or this this dung beetle <laughs> you know people buy into bullshit and we have such a confirmation bias that's encased in a cognitive dissonance that's never been known by man then that's because of lack of nutrition to the brain. And it's not a judgment, man. We've all been part of this. We've all been guilty of it. We've all been victims, not victims, but, you know, we chose to. And uh, if we can accept that this is where we are, then we really do say, okay, I have to understand I don't have any more options. I have to look at food as survival, not convenience. And once you do that, folks, you're like, well, shit, man, I'm kind of a badass. <laughs> Look at me, man. I'm a parent that wants my child. I'm not looking at Disney movies. I'm actually teaching my child what truth and food is. And I'm willing to go the distance whenever it has to be a switch of what your children desires. Once you can do that, folks, you take ownership. It's an obligation that you can't let go. And that's what's so fascinating about my life right now is I'm getting to see this across this world. And once again, Australia, United States, compare, contrast. It's all the same, folks. The cows are the same, different genetics, different parts of the world. The soil still the same, different grasses. But it's all the same system. You are the same system anywhere we go. There are no borders here, folks. We're bringing out a new form of beef intelligence that is almost lost. And there's countries and there's regions and there's cultures that still live in truth and food. And it's, you can tell, you know what Thailand's called? The land of smiles. <laughs> we can call basically United States the land of ass cracks because it's always shoving out of people's fucking stretch pants. And so I can say that because we're all freaking guilty, guilty. Everybody's a dumbass at some point in time. But anyways, it's the land of smiles because they have truth in food and they have street vendors that basically are far better than any multinational food corporations, restaurants or convenience store. And, you know, the decadence here is you go down to the streets and you can sit right on the sidewalk and you can have one of the best meals you've ever had. And that's what the world doesn't understand. 
and everywhere that you go that's more westernized as far as the monocropping that we slammed into the world in the early 70s, well, that monocropping in the way that we did it has taken smiles away from our children. And it's time to accept that that's the truth. And it's not a judgment, folks. It's not a comparison. There's a lot of contrast. And there's a lot of division in our nation because of nutritional starvation. There's a lot of mental illness. You don't have that much mental illness here in Asia. They don't have a lot of prescriptions here in Asia. They have very populated cities, folks. Look out the population of Bangkok. They know how to do things in a different way, but they start with the source of the seed of how they're going to basically engineer their international lifestyle that so many people crave. Hmm. Source of the seed of food intelligence, truth in food. It's time for us Americans, us Western countries, because, you know, I was in uh, Australia. Australia is a food desert, just like the United States, in different ways. But they're small towns still are somewhat, basically, I would say, 1970s United States. You still have some small towns that have a butchery. Uh, you have a uh, new innovation with Jacob Wolke, Wolke Farms, butchery. You have uh, Dominic and Ben of Ethical Farmers with Falls out there. They've got a butchery. Uh, what they don't have is access to an abattoir. That would be a processing center. So they have butcheries. So once again, new forms of beef intelligence coming your way. There's business models being built out. Sil and Tony are up to something in Janjuk, in which we stayed at. I'm not going to say a damn thing, but I met their damn good friend, Sean Callahan. And he was amazing, amazing. We did a podcast. We're going to release that as a podcast, too. It'll be on the uh, I Am Texas Land. So I haven't had too much water Tonight, we went and had dinner with Sid, Captain Sid, and we're going on a motorcycle tour. And we're going to go up to some villages that I told you about up north. Well, not in this region, and they've never been basically conquered. There's people up there that have lived in villages for a very, very long time. And they don't, <laughs> they don't use any form of food intelligence except what their ancestors taught them. And this part of uh, Thailand, this part of Asia, Buddhism is based on one thing. It's basically, I'm trying to think the exact words that Buddha said or that they say here in Buddhism, but it's about basically the elder. The elder knows best. And you look at Japan, same way. They have a form of food intelligence that allows them to respect their elders. And it comes with passing along history, word, mouth, the mouth, producer to producer. So it's a fascinating country. But anyways, we're going to go up there. We're going to go to a village that feeds themselves. We're going to go on motorcycles. Sid got some really crappy little ones and they fix them up here. So we're going to be crappy little Asian motorcycles. It'll do these 150 Hondas, 250 Hondas. And then uh, Finley and I are going to go rent motorcycles tomorrow in Chiang Mai. And we're going to start getting back on the road with the motorcycles. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating journey, folks. 
There's a lot of food intelligence coming your way. There's a lot that's going to come out of this mind. I'm putting together something um, as far as Texas Slim is concerned. Texas Slim's cuts. Well, I've been doing a cut. And I've been eating a way that I want to show people that you can do this. You can do it on the road. You can do this. There's no more excuses, folks. And then I'm going to be bringing a lot more nutritional uh, discovery that I found on my journey. And I'm going to start sharing that with y'all. And it's going to be Texas Slim's Cuts. And it's going to be driven by Texas Slim's Cuts, which is basically some of the best beef in the world with my partnership with Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle. And he is going to become the most widely known damn producer processor in the United States because he's cobalt of KNC cattle, hometown meats. And so what's going to happen? And, you know, he's partners with O'Clyde. You know, Clyde, he does uh, some of the best Angus genetics in the world. Where did Cole get his herd from? Hmm. Y'all see a lifestyle here. You see a Yellowstone playing out, ranchers saving their ranches, and cobalt and being the best damn producer processor that I've ever seen. And there's another one up there in Texas Panhandle, Justin Trammell, Panhandle Meats, Tear Bloom Farms. All these ranchers are doing something right, and it's going to be my job to get them to be the most widely known producers, processors in this nation because they have some intelligence that you need. It all starts with the source of the seed of their cattle and how they process it and how they distribute it. Well, they do that with your consumer demand. So you're going to be hearing a lot about Cole Bolton, and you're going to be hearing a hog rap tone about Jason Rick of Rick Ranches. He basically received the first ever grant that was given by the foundation called I Am Texas Slam Foundational Trust, which is a nonprofit. And it is something that you can donate to right now. If you go to thebeefinitiative.com, and you look at that and it says donate what you do you can donate fiat credit card or you can give bitcoin that goes into that foundational trust we are a legal entity we have a law firm everything and guess what jason's going to get to open up his ranch this year and he's going to do an internship and he's going to have basically i don't know a new international lifestyle where people can come stay on his ranch hmm. revenue stream education He's going to become the best educator in the United States because that's going to be my job, Texas Slim, because we have Texas Slim Media now. And so you're going to see things start going, scaling, scaling from within, though, not scaling from oh, on the outside. Yeah, from within, folks, we're going to scale the beef initiative and I am Texas Slim, Texas Slim's cuts in ways that people don't understand. But it takes your consumer demand, your consumer demand of what? Y'all been paying attention of your audio, your video, and your food. Once you do that, you create an international lifestyle. And, and I'm not, I'm not a, am I a salesman? I don't mean to be. Some people might be think I'm a used car salesman. Well, guess what? You know what? The old rancher is gone, man. That's Yellowstone bullshit. What we're doing is we're designing a new modern day cattleman, and every one of y'all can be the new modern day cattleman and cattlewoman. But you got to change your consumption model from your audio, your video, and your food. you got to come through Texas Slim's Cuts, Texas Slim's Media, the Beef Initiative, because guess what? We're going to feed a nation again. 
deep initiative is. Texas did it once, we're gonna do it again. And how we're gonna do that? Because of your consumer demand. Do I sound like a sales guy? No, those sales guys are the ones on the corner selling, what, 42 ribeye for 20 bucks? And people think that's a deal. And all you people out there comparing beef to something you buy at Walmart or Costco, stop that shit, because it's not even a comparison. If you pay attention, if you educate yourself and you point your consumption model to the right audio, video, and food, then you'll understand that you need to basically start asking the right questions, go deeper down in the rabbit hole of what is true beef. Where does it start? Oh, it starts with shaking a rancher's hand. And then basically, what do you do with that? You find a rancher, you put them in the beef initiative index. What does that lead to? Well, it leads to them having a new e-commerce system that they what? I told you we're gonna sell a lot of beef. Oh, do I sound like a used car salesman? We're gonna sell a lot of beef for everybody across this nation that wants to feed you because you're gonna change your consumer demand. And your consumption model is going to change along that with what? Oh, the people that you basically establish new relationships with. Because it's basically the why is because you're going to go out there and save children's lives. Because our adult what consumer demand is now killing children in the United States and across this world. Because our consumer demand to multinational corporations, well, that's actually leads to nutritional starvation. And that's what they're about to ramp up with the global industrial food shift. Hmm, is it daunting? You're damn right. How do you fight that? Go shake a rancher's hand. Oh, and if you're an influencer and you're starting to place your beef on, on you got a lot of followers, and you got more followers than me times 10, all right, I'm going to call you out. If you put beef on the damn internet and you're freaking stepping into the cattleman space, you better say where you got that beef from. Well, guess what? I'm going to start calling you out because I'll tell you every time where I get my beef from, if I had to eat McDonald's and I ate McDonald's, I'd say, well, damn it, I got it from McDonald's. Okay, I know I'm not going to get as many likes, but maybe I'm going to get likes in the wrong direction. Or would that be a, a thumbs down or bullshit troll? But I don't know. Hmm. What are your intentions as an influencer? Is it basically to basically step into the cattleman space and say, hey, man, I want to help you out. I want to be your voice. I want to be your marketing arm because I love your beef. Why in the hell not would I not talk about it? I talk about every one of my ranchers. Do you? How many do you got? You don't have any? Why? Well, your consumer demand is pointed to where? Multinational food corporations. Okay, folks, you're going to start seeing a roadmap here. It's going to be driven by me, a man that saved his life through basically food intelligence. And there's many of you coming into the Beef Initiative you have a story. You're going to hear the stories, folks. We've got guest writers, and if you want to guest write for basically the Texas Slim Substack, TexasSlim.substack.com, then send an email to TexasSlimTour2023 at gmail.com, and we'll give you a drive. We'll let you basically tell your story. We need testimonials, folks. We want to hear how you're saving your life, your children's life, your family's life, how you, what has happened in your life. This is what people want. You know why? Because I know, because people that change your consumption model, it's not a numbers game, folks. It's a quality game. And right now, quality is fantastic. Quality of what? Oh, your consumption model from the beef to the audio to the video. I'm going to do a lot more uh, production. Me and Sid are going to go north up to a village. We're going to do a documentary. Oh, Remember I told you the third world gourmet? Well, 
he talked about basically type of food up in villages that where they have better metabolical health than anybody else, and they've been doing it for thousands of years. Hmm. I feel like National Geographic. Why not? Let's do it. Beef Initiative Geographic? What? Beef Initiative Butchery? Did I say something? I talked about butchers earlier, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. Folks, it's getting late here. It's been a hell of a grind. Uh, you're going to get more from me. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being basically somebody that points this compass and that even purchased beef from the Beef Initiative or one of our ranchers. Keep it up. You're the marketing arm of every one of these people. Start acting like it. Take responsibility. It's an obligation now. They have children too. There's children in Thailand too. The children here in Thailand, I think they look a little bit better. They're healthier. Why is that? Well, they got food intelligence. Change yours. Develop more. I'm going to do my best. I've been working my ass off. I took a nap today, first time, like two and a half years. It was three hours. I'm on to something. I'm going to get rested up here. I'm going to do my nutritional health program. And I'm going to come back with a new form of food intelligence, beef intelligence, that is being driven by the new modern-day cattle man. You heard that correct. And we're developing all because it's one big collaboration. And we're doing this together because there ain't no competition. Ain't no comparisons. That's the thief of joy. And independent, independent happiness? Yes. All right, folks. Love y'all. I'm Texas Slim. Are you? Hey, everybody. This is June B. from Texas Slim's Media. I'm the executive producer. And I just want to give everybody who's been tuning in and podcasting 2.0 a big shout out for the boosts and the streams over on the Fountain app, over on Breeze, and anywhere else you enjoy podcasting 2.0, streaming sats, peer-to-peer across the Bitcoin ecosystem. So I want to thank everybody. Specifically, I want to thank Busted Canoe, for the stake boost, Gene Everett, user 44, said column slim, Bubba, our good friend Bubba coming through like always, he says slam dunk, in June, you're right about the practical math of a handshake, Jordan Rickner, Bicycle Bitcoin, First Things Foundation, and Beef Initiative. Boom. And lastly, Busted Canoe. Thanks again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're not on Podcasting 2.0 yet, make sure you head over to Fountain.fm and try it out. You could participate directly and exchange value for value with us. Now for the outro. It's almost not even about the food. It's about the body. That's the focus. From dysmorphia and psychic chaos to the gracious morphology of the Buddha. The body is front and center.
Pay attention to that. Slim just talked about fasting as a form of food intelligence. Not a breaking down of the body, as is the norm today. But a pause. A breath. The clamoring voices of the metabolically dispossessed. How long can you hold your breath? It's good for you. If only you knew. Ramadan is coming up. And around the world, in the name of God, billions will be fasting. They can't control you when you desire nothing. How do they do it, though? For Muslims, it begins with that first meal, suhoor, well before dawn. Last year during Ramadan, I met Texas Slim. He showed me how to get to the source of the seed. And this year, I'm going to prepare every pause over an open flame. Inshallah. My name is June B. And I'm the executive producer. Fix the money. Fix the food. This is Texas Slims Media.